Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Student ID Podcast. We are very pleased to have Leticia Squire today, the second Bitlassi guest. Welcome, Leticia. Thank you for joining us for this conversation, and we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to get started. So our first question is about you. It's, of course, it's about you, but it's about <laughs> your your background, about what makes you you, you like your identity, your, your nationality. I know you come from a lot of different cultures. Maybe you can share a bit of your origins, where you're from, uh, what factors into your sense of identity. Yeah, so uh, my dad is English and French, and my mom is Italian and Belgian. Uh, I was born in Switzerland, but grew up in the States, so, and then I moved to France for a couple years, and then back to Switzerland. So kind of been left and right, but very European background for sure. Um, I think living in the States for seven years definitely definitely was the foundation of who I am, but I do not identify mm. as an when American at all. Yeah. Uh, I was there, I moved there when I was like one, and I stayed until I was eight, and then I went to Paris from eight to twelve. And then you went to? Geneva for six years, so 12 to 18. So it's good that we start with your, your background so people know <laughs> yeah. the multiculti uh, background, that's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of a bit of everywhere. Um, but yeah. So how it. did you get to Isali? How did I get to Isali? That's a great question. So, well, I started uni elsewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And I think after a year, I told myself, all right, I'm gonna, this is not for me, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. And my brother was a previous SI student, so he did a BBA and graduated in like 2019 or something. And he was part of a group of students that basically were sat down and were like, okay, what's the problem with the BBA? And so they created a new degree called Bitlassi. And so since he was part of that you know, group of, there were like seven students or something like that, he knew about the program. And so he told me, well, normally SI is launching a new program, you should check it out. And so I checked it out and I really liked you know, the vision behind the program definitely corresponded to me a lot more than what I was doing previously. And so, yeah, I mean, Barcelona, <laughs> there's wor worse places uh, on earth. And I mean, yeah, the, the choice was pretty quickly made, honestly. Definitely the degree was the decisive hmm. factor for me. But are you saying that students made the bit lassi? No. So what was a group of students with your brother? Uh, basically, they were like old uh, BBA students years ago. Like, I don't know. Wow. Like her brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like years, years ago. Years, <laughs> decades. <laughs> okay. So who created it? Is this no, no, it's just like a professor. Basically, my program director like decided to get a couple of students, professor in BBA. And she realized that like there was a couple things that could be improved in the BBA. So she gathered a couple of students and was like, all right, what, what can be changed? And what do you expect more of a BBA? And so, so you're doing a, a better version of the BBA. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, so <laughs> Poor Alice is getting her degree debunked <laughs> at every episode. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, you know. So it's no, I'm kidding. Well, not really. But like, it's different. They're different things. Berlin? In contrast. <laughs> We're going to talk yeah. about Berlin real quick. Berlin. But last year they go to Berlin in, in second year. Yeah. So how was that experience for you? That what did was... you learn? And the wow. city, especially. Wow. wow. What did I learn? How could I say that in, in a couple sentences? Well, Berlin, so we were there for two months, which isn't that long. But I'd say it's enough, honestly, because it was super intense, like in a super good way. Mm. But everything, whether it be like professional or personal, um, you just like 
literally on a daily basis you were learning more and more things so we were basically in like an apartment hotel type of situation which is particular to us i know the following years won't have that so that's important to bear in mind what are they going to have this year base after like the the, um... no Sorry, no. The following years, they have to find their own accommodation. That's so, so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, no, the, pr- I think we're the, privileged. The, privileged. Yeah. The, the, the vibe of the, the cluster and the whole degree together, it, it must be cool. Just yeah. to go to events together, totally. it's just it, organization totally. wise. It's I don't, it won't be that different for the, for the following years because anyways, you're doing everything together. But I think the fact of like being in a hotel, you know, for two months with the same 40 people, mm. like just on soft skills yeah (laughs) that's like it's like soft skills boot camp (laughs) like (laughs) this is where you get all your patience and your understanding and but it was it was like all in all it was it was really amazing to stay with you know 40 of your classmates and you've known them now for two years so on that level you get really close and tight as a class and also just the classes in berlin itself well classes were super super interesting so we had eight weeks and we had eight modules So one module was a different uh, course every time. And we'd have, basically in the morning, we'd have classes with Isadi professors. So they'd come for a week to Berlin for us. That was really nice. And we had a lot of master professors. So that was like top tier um, education. Top tier stuff. Yeah, like (laughs) this was no joke. No, honestly, you could really feel a difference. Mm. But it was really nice, like educate, like the professors that came over were amazing. And so in the afternoon, that was like full like culture, like German culture, because ah. that's also the reason why we're going to Berlin is under- what are the relevant countries, you know, that are really that are, can be sources of inspiration. And I know that the, the I said they picked Berlin because of like the innovation yeah, and, the, and also it's that. super diverse. So we did a lot of company visits. I mean, I couldn't name so many, but like off the top of my head, we went to see Zalando. So they did a whole pitch on like what their sustainability objectives are and things like that. We went to like local businesses. Uh, there was one called Pool, which was super cool. It's like where you rent clothes and you pay like a subscription. And, and it was amazing idea, like mm. loved it. There was another thing called Dent Tabs, where it was like, it wasn't, this guy was researching toothpaste for phew, I, a decade. Like, yeah, like he, a long time. Like I don't want to say anything wrong, but a long time. Mm. And basically he was selling like um, like tablets of toothpaste and not like toothpaste so like in gum? tubes. Can you eat No, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, you can if you want to. But basically it's like you put water in your toothbrush, you like uh-huh. pop it in your mouth and you like crunch it and you brush your teeth. Pretty interesting. Innovative, Innovative. exactly. That was I mean, the point. Exactly. That's good that's to, get, so to get inspiration. Cool. I yeah. love toothpaste. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean. well, yeah, no, very interesting. So, so no, I mean, those are those are a couple that we saw, but, I mean, that we saw so many. Um, and, and overall, what, what what's the main thing that you took away from, like, the, these company visits and these classes? The main thing? Ooh, that's a very hard question because, to be fair, they all had different backgrounds mm. and, like, different experiences like the guy from pool for example he was like 30 but the guy from Duntabs, he was like oh sorry but like 60 or something so the experience changes and therefore what they would tell you was different you know so there are a lot of things that they yeah. would teach us but i think the main thing i learned was really like especially on a startup level was the flexibility and like the vulnerability that you're in and how the world is like constantly changing and how as a startup you need to adapt to that and yeah i don't know like so many obstacles come in your way that you wouldn't have uh, particularly expected and berlin was 
other than those company visits, we did a lot of culture. So we went to like a couple museums in Berlin and learned obviously about the history of Berlin and Germany. We went to a concentration camp as well. Where? Like, Which one? Uh, oh gosh. Okay. Sachsenhausen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that um, that was really a very very insightful um, experience to say the least. And and so yeah, we did several activities with them. We went to the Berlin Town Hall, mm. and we had a speaker. How do you say Town Hall in German? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Leo, please. <laughs> no, with my horrible accent. Do you speak German? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I speak Wait, a lot what, of. What do you speak? Uh, English, French fluently. Some. Great Spanish and uh, Italian-ish. Like, I understand everything. I'm just a bit shy when it comes to... at home? What do you speak? English and French. Both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mix. Combo. Depends with who I'm speaking with. But, um... And German on the way. Yeah, German. I know how to order a beer. (laughs) That's that's, That's the most important part. At the end of the day, you know. (laughs) But what was the most surprising thing about, like, Berlin? The most surprising, oh, good question. You know what? I think the most surprising thing is the fact that it's so open and like free that you're weird to judge people. And like, it's a very weird thing because a lot of weird things happen in Berlin, but like at the end of the day, they're not that weird. But like, you're weird for thinking they're weird. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So it really opens your mind because there's a lot of things going on and no one does anything or says anything. Like, it's just another thing that happens. And so, like, it's you'd fluent. be... We- it's yeah, dynamic. exactly. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my life. Like, yeah. I don't care. I'm not going to think twice about it. And so it was kind of like a slap in the face. Like, I don't consider myself to be a very judgmental person to begin with. But there are really things where it's, like, out in the open and, like, public where the majority of people would be, like, what the hell, hell is going on? Yeah. And you'd be, yeah, strange for even thinking twice about it. So I think that was really like it takes takes adapting as well. Yeah, to that. for sure. Yeah, because you're like, did you just see that too? And yeah. like, no, no one's saying anything. It's not even negative judgment. No, it's just no. judgment in general is <laughs> yeah, exactly. is so like intuitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. No, so people don't judge at all. They don't give their opinion. Not really. It's not that they don't give their opinion, but it's just like you you are free to do whatever you want. You're free to look however. I mean, I don't want to sound cliche. And, oh my God, Berlin. But it's true that you really have a, a, a side of Berlin that just does not care. Like, and that's is that, it. Is that contagious? Uh, yeah, I think it builds on... you feel so free when you're there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely builds on to you. Because I know, like, after Berlin, I went... I mean, personally, I think it's the, like, worst place I could have gone to after. But I went to Paris after. Hmm. And, like, there, I was like, oof. You know, like, in Berlin, I felt more free to dress how I wanted. It's not like I was dressing, like, crazy or anything. But... Then I went to Paris and I just felt a lot more observed. And pressure. Yeah, and pressure. But in Berlin, I, I really didn't feel that way. I don't know, maybe it was just me that was kind of hallucinating. But I definitely felt that from Paris where okay. there was a way I had to, to present myself that you don't have in Berlin. Next up, Shanghai. Next up, Shanghai. So that's this year, April? Yeah, April. Uh, so we so just... how do you feel about that? Um... What are you looking forward to? What or am I what, looking or what are you expecting? Yeah. What am I expecting? I think... Wow. I think it's going to be even more insightful than Berlin. Berlin was already a big... That's, st- that's yeah. a statement. Like, Berlin was really a very 
deep, you know, intense learning experience. But I think the fact that we'll be in Asia and like none of us in our class can relate or know well the Chinese culture, I think for all of us, it's really going to be like a culture shock. Yeah, a culture shock for sure. I think I'm most excited about, ooh, like kind of mm, looking more like behind the scenes, you know, what's happening in China, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like China this, China that. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to be right there. Like, in companies, I'm going to the, um, oh gosh, of That's course, exciting. it's completely esca- escaping my mind. We're going to a f- super famous fair that's, like, huge for, um... There are probably thousands of uh, No, but it's, like, the one. What I can't believe I'm blanking right now. Great question. It's, like, trade and, and, and consumer goods and... I'm so sorry. I'm completely blanking right now. Like, it's just Chinese firms or, like, Asian firms or is it, like, the... I don't know. I okay. couldn't tell you. You I, shall never know. Either. Yeah, you, yes. You listener shall never know. No, I... Oh, good. What else? Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of the things we're going to do. And then we're going to go to, like, little cities ne- next door for also the cultural aspect, of course. But no, I'm really excited. Like, I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be very destabilizing, mm. but in a good way, you know. I mean, if you live two months and you get a full experience in Shanghai, especially, like, a business experience where... Same thing, we're going to go visit a lot of companies, you know, and really get it, like, penetrating the Chinese mm. culture and, and whole business uh, ecosystem and startup ecosystem and innovation ecosystem. I think it's going to be super interesting. Are you talking a lot about companies and stuff? Like, do you have ideas of, like, where do you want to work later? What do you want to do? Maybe aspirations or... Um, that's a great question. Oof. I'm like the worst person you could ask that question to because there are a lot of things I really like and so it's like, where do I go in? You know, my my, my degree is, is focused mainly on, on the environment and social, which I absolutely love. But I also have like artistic things like photography and music that I also really love. I don't think I'd make a career out of it, so I'm focusing more on in environment and social. I think my plan like in the near future is definitely going into like you know the basics of going into a s- environmental startup or a social one and you know starting in there getting the vibe also of a startup because that's also somewhere I want to go into and in creating my own company um so I want to see you know learn from the mistakes of others kind of <laughs> yeah kind of be in the scene and see what it's like uh is is definitely where I'd start I couldn't tell you like a particular company that I like but like a big corporation and things I don't really see myself going there you know I want to I want to bring things to the company I want to bring things to the table I want to change but do you think we can we cannot change like big companies not really like internally I don't know if you're like one yeah like if you're one employee on I don't know how many uh, thousands uh, in one city I think that's very hard Because at the end, like with the startups, you want to compete with them. So at the end, if you compete with them, then you are going to dismantle them. Yeah. So that's a bit, you know, on a similar level. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess in that case, it's it's more external than internal. But I think, you know, changing it from inside is very hard. But I think now there are a lot more frameworks and things that are being implemented into companies. Like, I don't know, corporate social responsibility. Exactly. CSR. Or, like, I don't know, there are a lot of pillars of companies that are starting to be created that are changing the ways companies 
changing the ways the ways companies are currently. Great. I mean, that's the thing I think Alice is talking about is that the problem is that in big corporations, I feel like it's very slow. Yeah. And you feel like it's just the bureaucracy. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's there's so many steps. We see it in the Saudi whenever we want to tr- change, change something. Yeah. It's slow because it's a big corporation in Saudi yeah. as well. Yeah, for so sure. So I think I think your goal is to be in a startup and to get things moving along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you like when things exactly. move along. Exactly, yeah, no, I don't like it when things are slow. Yeah, no, for sure, <laughs> definitely. Mm. Um, no, also, I think if, if you're a successful startup and, you know, you're, you establish yourself as a competitor of a big corporation, you can, you can do things differently and maybe that's your competitive advantage. Mm. That's what makes you different and it works very well. Well, maybe they'll take inspiration of how you're doing things and implement it themselves, you know. It's an alternative for consumers as well. Exactly, and alternatives, yeah. exactly. So, but as well, I agree with Alice in the sense that we can't all create startups all the time. No, for sure. Because we have to. At some point, there has to be a guideline. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. going to be a company that's going to have more of the market share, anyways. Yeah, so I might mean, as well improve that one. Yeah, I mean, I also think like everything's already out there. To be fair, I mean, you know what? That's not true. To a certain extent, in the sense, okay, fine. I don't know, but like, I think. Well, at least. Us, for example, in class, when we do a lot of projects where it's like, okay, you got to think of a solution to a problem and things. I mean, every time something already exists, it's just how do you do it differently? You know, yeah. it's, it, but there's a slight difference, but the idea to the, or like the solution to the problem itself on the grand scheme of things stays relevant. It already exists mm. in some ways. So. Yeah, innovation is hard. Innovation is very hard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's just the main takeaway. Yeah, you got to get creative people out there to change the way things are done. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, I have the impression that all the Bitlassi people are going for startups. And I was like, what a pity that there is nobody like yeah. with this creative mindset uh, yeah. going for yeah. bigger companies. Well, also we're being very, you know, formed um, in some way to create our own, while well, we're pushed, you know, to create our own company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can totally do whatever you want. But definitely, I think we all have that common thing is we want to create or change, you know. Um, so I think that's a little grain in our mind that reunites at least the whole class of wanting to do things differently. Okay, I, there's just something coming up in my mind. Is like I see that you won't change and I guess like a lot of people in your class won't change. Mm-hmm. Is there like a moment in your life where you feel like, uh, okay, I don't know the word in English, injustice? Injustice, uh, unfairness. Unfairness, uh, yeah. Did you ever like face a situation of unfairness that gave you mm. this uh, thought about, I want to make a change? Mm. Ooh, there are so many things. But that's a lot, like, personally? Or yeah. like... I um, mean, you. Yeah. Athlete, yeah. I think, well, my fir- the first thing that came to my mind was sports. Like, because I do a lot of sports that are male-dominated. Like, mm-hmm. I play football, I play rugby... Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. So, I definitely there are def- like huge prejudices to s- skills on the skills women can have in certain sports. So, I think like that's something that I've definitely been confronted to essentially my whole life to be fair, like you know, it can be a silly example of oh, our our football club is doing renovation on one pitch. Okay, well, girls, you have no more training anymore because we got to move all the boys to this pitch. And so it's like, okay, you do you. And this was when I was like fifteen. You know, also there, you know, establishing yourself as a community of women in a male-dominated sports, but you have talent. Like that's, for example, a, a situation of unfairness 
but I don't know, there are a lot of other ones. I, men's mental health, I really like talking about that and, you know, raising awareness. I think it's an unfair, unfair... Um, stigma. Stigma, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's... There are lots of issues, yeah. But do you think... Because we're going to talk about sports right now, actually, because we, we know that's a big part of your life. Yeah, Football, sure. rugby. <laughs> and it's a big part of your personality, I suppose, as well, because people who are very invested in sports tend to be competitive, tend to be very, you know, driven in, yeah. in some aspect as well, team-spirited. So I wanted, we wanted to ask, what impact has sports had in your life mm. for now or ever since? How has it grown? How has it evolved? And how can you apply that maybe to your career later or maybe to your life in general? Mm, that's a good question. I think I actually thought about it the other day. I was like, what are the things in my life that have like really taught me something, especially in sports? Mm. I think the main thing would probably be obviously like working in a team and how like how to get the right dynamic so that it works well. Because one thing is like individually, how, how skillful are you as a player? But that is like, that doesn't work. I mean, in itself, doesn't work that much like you need your team you know what I mean and so it's hard because you need to manage your self like your mentality and your mindset and the pressure you have you need to manage that well but also like in in my position where I lead teams and like I was a captain and I'm now the president of the rugby team you also have to involve all the other people that are that are surrounding you and that are part of of, of your your club So I think getting them on board mm. and creating this aspect of team and finding ways to gather and create a community, like that's definitely a big thing I've learned. And But I, I say this because it also reflects in my professional life, you know, uh, of, of managing yourself and your responsibilities, but also having everyone in your team, like us, because we do projects, you know, worries and teams. Mm. And so also managing how they work with you. I think sports in that sense taught me a lot, you know, having everyone on the same page. And actually, as you went from like captain to president, and you're talking about management, is there a difference in terms of the relations that you have to with people? How do you, like, what are the different dynamics yeah roles that you had like being captain so you had yeah. you were on the field i mean you're still yeah. on the field yeah. now you're president so how does that change and how do you talk to people like how do you manage yeah. them um well captain's a lot more <clears throat> like chill you know in the sense that it's more you you're like a main pillar during tournaments and things like that but president is just like a full-time job essentially kind of because you're managing all the problems you have and on a s small scale of just an association in a uni you know I'm encountering a lot of problems but that's um that's it's good like I like it a lot because it's a great learning experience it's a lot of work and a lot of responsibilities but as a learning experience it's really nice and I know a lot of like ex-students that were part of associations they were like I underestimated the value behind being part of an association or on top of that being on the board of an association you learn a lot and so I'd say like being a president now I feel more you know I have more responsibilities and I feel more mature um, than when I was a captain where I'm not controlling everything you know but as a president like I have the I have the authority I mean it's a big word but you know people depend on me a lot more than obviously when I was a captain it's different as well because captain is, is on the field yeah captain yeah, yeah. is just the sport related yeah and it's the players and you're supposed to have a role as a leader to lead them to the objective you have as a team yeah. as president 
you look over the whole uh, organization, you look at the expenses, you look at, okay, is everyone showing up? Okay, do we yeah. have the field to train? What events There's, are we going to? Exactly, How do we go to these events? Are, yeah. Is everyone enrolled in yeah. these, you know, you don't want to have someone that's not in the hotel or, you yeah. know? So yeah. this is all different parts of the sport that you don't have to take into yeah. account as a captain. Yeah, completely. And that now you see like the different side of it. Behind the scenes. And people as well that you're talking about the different people you manage. You just have to manage the players as a captain, I guess, and then yeah, you're part of the team. But all, all the other treasurer, all the other associations, the roles associations, there you have to be managed too. So yeah, 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 for sure. No, I I actually really like it. Like it's a it's kind of the first like real established role as leadership. I could say you know like I, I have other experiences, but I really feel like that one is definitely the. <laughs> the one that's teaching me the most <laughs> in so many ways. And how would you describe the Rebel Lions to a first-year student? Oh, I would say family. Like, sorry, I always use this word, but like at the end of the day, it's really true because at, it's it's a very fun association. Like, we have a lot of fun. Like, it's serious and, and we, we, we train, I mean, obviously, but I think the when we go to tournaments and... We come back from these, like, we're really super tight, you know, and I think that is kind of the best thing you'd expect, I guess, of an association at a uni- if you want to join a university. Like, I know for me personally, being in Bitlassi, first, like, in the first um, promotion ever, you know, no one's above me in the sense no, there are no graduates above me. You know, I showed up to a study, I didn't really know anyone, you know. And being in a different building as well, like the rugby was a great opportunity for me to meet different people in different degrees in different years. Like it was a great mm. experience to to meet people, but not only meet them, like thanks to the tournaments, I really became close to these people too, you know. So I think in that sense, like rugby at least, really brings people from different backgrounds close to each other. Yeah, I was gonna hit on two points. I think rugby in general as a sport has that culture of solidarity mm-hmm. and family that you say because it's such a, a violent sport there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of respect yeah. that comes yeah, with yeah, it yeah. you know for obviously sure. because it's it's so physical and you literally almost go to war for one another yeah you do in other sports but rugby is on a different level yeah and as well the conditions are difficult so i i get that that sense of family i think is expressed in other rugby teams as well mm-hmm. and you touched on the the tournaments and how it helped your team bond yeah and i think that's an underrated aspect so of sports underrated. especially at Isade and like we feel like the tournaments are really an opportunity for teams to bond and to create visibility for the university a so percent. so what do you think in general the university could do maybe to enhance that sport visibility abroad I think I think we in some way deserve a bit more at least validation mm-hmm. or attention to a certain extent because I think it's a real pity that uh, the teams that are... I know the level of all the teams that we have. And I know it's a very high level. Like, it's actually competitive to get into teams. And I think it's just... There's there's a lack of... Just a quick lack of attention and validation, I think, from the university's behalf. It should be a crucial pillar for everyone's experience at the university, actually, to put it simply. Yeah. You know, I think everyone should have the opportunity to be part of a team. Because it teach Like, you learn so much from it whether it be personal or not, like you, I mean, just like I said, you meet so many people just as yourself. I've met a lot of people from different cultures, especially different degrees. It's so valuable, you know what I mean? And everyone should have the opportunity. It's not because you're a blessed athlete that only you can 
you know so i think it's a pity that it's it's very selective and mm-hmm. reserved for the the lucky few and then all the rest which is <laughs> thousands of students don't get the same opportunity it's really a pity that the level is so high and the rest just can't participate you know you formulated it really well like i relate 100 at first because i could not get into any teams okay yeah second and as like in transpose i realized like how a lack of help we i mean yeah. we don't have any help from the uni yeah and i'm just thinking now if we could create a club of how we could like try to reallocate the resource of a study uh, between the students well, not between the students but yeah. a group yeah, of yeah, students yeah. i think that would be so fun and For so sure. interesting But yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. I no, of course. Too. No, I think I think they should make it become a pillar of of Isale. I think sports is valued in a lot of universities. I mean, when we go to tournaments abroad, it does feel like Isale is undervaluing sports. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, and <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it. And that we, you know, it's it's and it's 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 unfortunate because, like you say, sports has so many values that it can provide and it can enhance your students' experience so much and provide so much visibility for the university and make you feel proud to represent your university and say you know what this is my university i'm going to fight for it mm. and i'm going to you engage with other students as well because i support your rugby match you support mm-hmm. our basketball matches yeah you know and, and it creates a link between students as well something we're trying to do with alice now with this podcast but sports is another way to do it 100%. And and it, it just creating dialogue about it is is important I think because if the university sees value in the students and that they export that to other students that want to come to the exactly. university because they they know they have the sports department and as well providing access to sports to students that are not necessarily professionals or yeah. not that we are professionals <laughs> yeah. but like I play for the national team No 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 but like people that have played sports for just you know it's yeah. it's it, it could be it could be enhanced so I, i totally agree totally and i mean sports is 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 a pillar, a pillar of a lot money. of yeah a lot of universities like bear in mind i don't know in the uk you have crazy facilities i mean come on it's for me it's a logical thing to also invest in that you know i, I don't even think there should be a conversation about it in the sense i think it's it it's, clearly has to be though. yeah 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 it does but it's true that i mean word of mouth like personally i I always sell associations a lot, you know, I think it's super, super important. Genuinely, you miss so much of your university experience and opportunities by not being able to join an association. The, the clubs is a very important uh, part of your experience as a student, so I definitely think that overall re- more resources need to be allocated to that. Yeah, I've never thought about the people that like, cannot get into any association. What's about them? What do they do in their lives? Amazing. <laughs> like, no, 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 genuinely. No, 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 don't get me wrong. Genuinely. Like, okay. in the, no, no, but in the no, sense, no, I get, I get you. In the I sense that it's like... It's so valuable. It's, it is there, really valuable. If you're part of one, and on top of that, if you're part of the board of one, it is such an experience. It's different than your studies. It's actually... Putting and into practice. Exactly. And you, like you just have more responsibilities and more things to look forward to. I'm like, I mean, if I don't I, I don't know what I would do with my like in the same yeah, way. We have <laughs> no, a free time. We no, no, time. no. But Fair yeah, enough. like you get I mean, great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you just have a lot of free time, but it's like. But so you were part of other association as well. Yeah, I did a lot. What did you do? <laughs> Tell us. So especially last year, I did a lot. Last year I was so I was in football. 
Well, futsal, actually, because I keep on saying football, but it's it's five aside. But I am part of that. Well, rugby as well. And I was part of Transpose, social media. That was a lot of fun. I was part of the studio as well. You did a lot. And then, oh, and then we had another association uh, called Isade Sports Sponsorship, ESS. And then that... How did it work? Was that, did you actually do that? Like, no, was it launched it or... crumbled. It didn't work out? No, it didn't. But it was it was pretty hard to be fair. Like, but what was the initiative behind? So basically, it was finding sponsorships, well, sponsors for sports uh, teams at Isade. and I don't know. It just looks like the hardest task in the world. Mm. Like, I mean, everyone sends thousands of emails, you know, because everyone, every association at Isade is looking for sponsors, and you know, if your dad is not the CEO of I don't know what. Like, good luck. Share us your tips, Alice. <laughs> yeah, no, what was... I think that's the funniest thing ever. Like, I think you you learned so much. I just remember the last year I was in the sponsorship team, and I remember that with a friend of mine, mm. we took the Transpose magazine and we went into stores in Elborn and we were just like selling exactly. the magazine in front of in front of them, and they were just like, yes, yes, and then you text them behind. Yeah, and, and then, yeah. But you learned so much yeah. by being rejected like totally. that. No, completely. Oh my gosh, it's a never-ending process, this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you just get no's and no's, like, constantly. Wait, so and what was no the, the need that you identified? Because you started to look for sponsors for, like, a sports team, but why? Babes, we don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how else can I we mean, put it suddenly? How else can we put it suddenly? I mean, there's, I'm not gonna... Yeah, um, no, we needed money. I think the benefit, I'd say, of the rugby team is that we're not under the umbrella of the Asadi Sports, <clears throat> which therefore means that... Why we, are you not with uh, I, I'm not gonna tell in the sense that it happened years before I was at uni, and okay. I'm not exactly sure of what happened. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to say anything wrong. Okay. No one's going to sue you. Yeah, no, <laughs> before I say anything wrong. No, I think it was a situation where like the team said, all right, listen, either you give us the money that our sponsor is thinking of providing us with, or okay. we leave and we get the money. And so I, I think the conclusion was, okay, that we leave and we get the money from our sponsor. So it was about money. Yeah, yeah. It's always about money at the end of the day, you know. And like I understand you that it's very hard and it's, it's a big struggle, but I would say to the students that are thinking no, about no. working in sponsorship or like doing sponsorship no, no, in association, sure. like it is so interesting. You learn so much and it's the most formative thing, professionally yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, And you bond sure. a lot with your peers as well. It's challenging, but definitely, definitely worth it. And you find, I mean, we've found a lot of sponsors, like a bunch of, there have been a lot of events with sponsors. So. It's not the biggest. No, 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 no. It's totally. No, no, no. It's absolutely. Exactly. You hold on to them for dear life. Do you have like a favorite event in the side that you would recommend to your students? Is there something that's marked you or that you would recommend? They did a a TED Talk thing, like a TEDx Isale event and I really had our our guest about that ah amazing well there you go and I really liked that I really liked the you know quick speakers kind of type of thing you know you're not it's not like a one hour talk I don't know for me personally like there are some events where I'm like not that I'm scared to go but I'm like wow this is so like serious like this is I mean this is really just personal it's like so serious that I'm like I'm not qualified to even participate mm-hmm. in this event you know there were like approximately like five speakers and all from very different backgrounds and it was super interesting I think that was like my favorite event probably it's very okay, insightful so that's by E3 E3 well, TEDx by E3 yeah shut up shut up
you shared a lot about association. We talked a lot about your sports interests, about associations in general. Let's go a bit deeper about what you mentioned before the um, music and photography, especially. Mm. You have a photography account? I do. On Instagram, you want to <laughs> plug that in real quick? At Litigraphie. Okay, very good. Oh, it's oh great God, pictures. That's a self-promo. No, no, no. I'm, I'm the one who... Fair enough. I gave you the gateway. Fair Photography seems like a, a very, you know, a passion that a lot of people share nowadays. And taking pictures is very common, <laughs> even amongst casual people that don't necessarily like the, the, the photography and the aesthetic of it. What does photography mean to you and how do you see the this whole thing of taking pictures of everything does, do you think it takes off the purity of the moment or does it add value like how do you see that whole that mm. whole aspect okay i think personally for me photography well i do analog photography and i say that because what is it film okay <laughs> sorry i just forgot the word in french um <laughs> Yes, and I say that because, well, for me personally, I ooh, I really like authenticity. Hmm. And that's why I chose analog over digital, for sure. Because, for example, when I take pictures of people, it's one shot and that's all you get. You know, I'm not going to take 50 pictures of you because that's just a lot of money. Um, so I really like that, that thing of just like one shot, one chance type of thing, which is why... You know, I resonate fine in that sense. It resonates with me. Like, I really like the, the, the true, the reality behind it. You know, I, I don't like having thousands of pictures of one thing and picking the best. You know, I think that's a, a bit of a pity. I think on the grand scheme of things, whether you're casual or not, like, I think it's great to capture just a moment over... And do you have, like, a special interest in art or it's mainly photography? Mainly photography. But I also do music, so I guess that's... What do you do? I try to make music, so... Like, well... DJ? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's exactly how... That's no. the move, no? Wait, am I doing it right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, criminal. Um, yeah, I try to make... That kind of is criminal. I do it with Nico. No, Nico. so he, he mixes more. So, at Unsocial Network, little shout out to my G... He mixes, so he's like a genuine DJ and goes to events and and parties and things and, and mixes there. And I, you're his marketing manager. No, not at all. Oh I, well, actually, I take pictures for the brand. That's true. You <laughs> should say that because you're literally selling oh. him. Yeah, That's no, great. but it's part of the project. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. No, I try to make music myself, so I'm more just chilling in my room, doing my own thing. Do you play instruments or how do you... I used to, well, I mean, nothing serious. Like, I played the piano and the guitar for a couple of years, but I cannot align two notes together on a piano at all. But it's just like, I can hear it. I feel I feel like I listen to a lot of music that mm. I get what I like and what sounds good and what doesn't, I guess. Do you use platform? How do you make yeah, music? Yeah, I start, like, I've started on Garage Band just, like, to get the into the, you know, Just of it, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly, just of it. But there are a lot of different platforms that are, like, more or less professional. Obviously, completely depends on your level. But I'm, like, getting into it, you know. So nothing too professional yet. And how would you explain it to a beginner? Like, you, you pick a sound, then you take another one? You or have tracks, so? like, oof, basically you have tracks. Mm -hmm. And so, like, one track will be, like, an instrument or, or, or a voice or something. And then you just, like, combine tracks 
and kind of hope for the best. Like, I just do it on my MacBook. Like, I don't have a full keyboard, so you have some effects that, you know, are a certain key and things, so. We have a little surprise for you. Oh, we have geez. asked a friend of yours to um, ask you a question. Oh, God, no. So <laughs> we're going to listen to it live, and then you're going to be able to respond. This is Saskia. <laughs> Saska, you absolute legends. <laughs> hey, Liddy. I hope you're enjoying your podcast recording so far. I have a question for you today, which is what are the values that you would like to teach your children in a sense of what are the things that you consider as the most important for your children to understand, to learn, and to live and act by um, that you really want to prioritize um, in teaching them? Yeah. Wow. Jeez, thank you, Saskia, for this unexpected question. A value I would teach my kids. Do you want to have kids first? Yeah, of course. You do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That's a very good question. Yeah, that is a good <laughs> Imagine I didn't. Um, no, but in the sense, like, that would be awkward. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I want... I mean, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I come from a big family, so I definitely want to How have... How many brothers? I have three older brothers, so we're four. Um, so I want They so just waited for a girl to stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm born six years later and everything, so after my brother. Anyways, um, value I teach my kids. Honestly, I think, I think open-mindedness, mindedness, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, because it is a very, I think it expands on a lot of different things. I think personally that open-mindedness really, like, Problems. Yeah, like, no, but it has an impact on a lot of different pillars of who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I say open-mindedness because it also, for me, it also resonates with, like, patience that you have, like, with other people. You know, like, I want to I wanna teach, you know, acceptance and different things, you know, like, hearing experiences or cultures or traditions or personalities or anything that is not only yours, you know, and see all the diversity in the world because to be fair I've really constantly been confronted to different cultures and different mindsets and it teaches you so much like as a person and yeah I think it also gives you a lot of peace you know in some way you know not being scared of the unknown kind of mm -hmm. embracing it. embracing exactly yeah not even being scared but on top of that embracing it is well like for me, the key yeah. to the world, you know? And how do you measure open-mindedness? How do you measure like, open-mindedness? How would you know if you did a good job with your... I mean, at least you can... The best way I could answer your question is I feel like I've become a lot more open-minded in the sense that, like, I seek different... Like, I know that now I seek different opinions, for example. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But I love telling people, like, tell me I'm wrong. Like, contradict me. So I think for that, for example, is something that I progressively learned and that I hope that my kids will have, you know, this thirst of teach me something new, teach me something different. Like what 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 are other people saying? How are other people viewing things, you know? And I think, yeah, open mindedness like really literally opens so many doors. And do you have an idea of how you would teach your kids to be open minded? Like, Well, personally, it was really being confronted to diversity, to put it simply, I think. Obviously, if you're in the same place uh, your whole life and you've been in one social setting your whole life, you only see that. So you only think the world is like that, but it's not mm. at all. 
we talked about values a lot, but do you have maybe someone you look up to, but someone that you would like to maybe have dinner with, someone you'd like mm. to meet and have an intimate conversation with? I need to think about it a bit because I feel like there are aspects of people that I really like. Obviously, like, you know, I don't want to say, oh, my dad or my mom, you know. <laughs> like, you can have dinner with them anytime. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What, I mean... Someone you're curious about, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have a question to, or like, you want to understand how they live. Hmm. I think, oh gosh, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I always use this example, and it's very cheesy, but let me explain. I think I would sit down with, oh wait, now I have two answers in my head. No, I, I think I would sit down with Greta Thunberg. Okay, super cliche, like, please don't, yeah. Why super cliche? Because no. it's like, oh, you study the environment. And it's like, no, we're, we're, in the, the, we're in the Berlin division. mindset here. All right? <laughs> yeah. All right, cheers. Yeah, see, this is me. Uh, no, I'd say, I think I'd say Greta Thunberg because I really <laughs> admire her courage for like mm-hmm. having such a, you know, f- face in the public and like such a political, you know, importance and relevance at such a young age. And it's like, I would never have the courage, even though I, I, I feel like I express myself on, on topics. Like I don't hesitate to say what I think, but not to that extent. Like I express myself to my close surroundings, but I could never really like speak up, you why? know, for why? Mm-hmm. Um, I just... It's difficult. Yeah, and also, like, oh, I think the main thing is I I have a hard time justifying myself. Like, proving why I believe in something. Even though, like, I have the reasons, too, I just... Oh, it just makes me panic when you, like, try to, you know, contradict me or something. (laughs) So just being in that setting where I have to prove myself... Um, it's kind of scary. Her process of, you know, gathering people and getting people in the same boat. I think I admire her, like, leadership, you know, for such a young age. I personally, I struggle with getting people in the same boat, you know. But she did it in a very particular way, in a very humble way as well, that I admire, is that she never intended it for Mm -hmm. her to be the central scene. She doesn't want it to be the central. She wants her cause to be the center of the attention. And she just started out uh, in Stockholm doing her... Or Friday. She's from Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah. In Stockholm doing her Friday protest. And then Imagine it she's just picked Finnish. up. <laughs> oh, because you, you confirmed she was Swedish, but... You know yeah. what, Greta, we, we admire you. Okay? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> she's definitely Swedish. Don't... Oh, God. <laughs> and, no, but you know what I mean? Like, she, she didn't even intend to, to get to that level. She just became that persona that mm. is... Uh, associated to, to global warming and climate action now. yeah and I think also also I like it because I personally also want to get more invested and more involved in politics and so I think it's interesting from her position like I feel like I could learn a lot from her and then I thought of another answer I was like oh my gosh please sit me down with like politicians that I completely disagree with but in like an insight, like I genuinely am like, why do you think this way about this topic? I would really like that also to have someone that I completely disagree with, but a genuine conversation of so like, So you're what's... interested in their justification. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking about what you say about the fact that you're scared to justify yourself and that they 
they just yeah. criticize yeah. the justification. <laughs> now you should have me reason. Because anyway, if your justification is great, they are going to criticize you. If it's yeah. shitty, they are going to criticize you. Sure. So what's the thing behind? <sighs> it's people, it's pressure. Because you're interested <laughs> okay. in politics as well. Yeah. You just mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully I overcome this, but I don't know. I, I to be fair, also I think I disagree with, you know, like this thing of like people posting messages on Instagram where it's like, oh my God, the Amazon forest is on fire. And there was a whole trend where like everyone was posting this on their story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on, like, I know you well, you, you don't do a lot for the environment, mm. you know? So there are a lot of things where I disagree, where I'm like, if you don't fundamentally really believe in what you're saying and act upon that, uh, you know, but like, when, then, then I'm a bit... The where's the line? Because you can... I think I need to educate myself a lot more before mm. I want to speak no, out. So I'm not going to tell you, yeah, yeah. like, even though I'd like to tell you, you, not, you can't have an opinion, but... Inform yourself a lot more, educate yourself a lot more, and then... Be coherent. Exactly. Be authentic. But also, see the whole panel. And I think I want to see the whole panel before... I see your point, but at the same time, I feel like it's always waiting to get ready. Yeah, yeah. No, and completely. Then, you know, and then the moment get gone. out Yeah, there. yeah. Complete. No, I, I completely... I, I disagree with the way I think. I think it's... it's a, no, but it's a pity. Because I'm like, well, you know, I'm so what? At the end of the day, I'm never going to say anything? Yeah. Exactly. Everyone has that. Exactly. Yeah, to go maybe on a, on a lighter theme. Um, <laughs> just... Uh, Do you have a lighter? <laughs> No, it's just a just a casual question. Do you have a favorite beer? Do I have a favorite beer? Ooh, I used to I used to hate beer actually when I was back in the day. <laughs> I used to hate beer, and then I discovered the Corona with a lime, and that was like the pivotal thing that happened in my life. <laughs> Honestly, pivotal point. <laughs> no okay. I'm kidding. Coronas, yeah, definitely hit a sweet spot mm. for a couple of years. Now. I'm gonna have to say, just because it's Barcelona and I religiously drink this beer, it's gotta be Estrella Dam, man. Yeah, I'm very basic in that in that sense, to be honest. That's fine. There's no, Estrella there's no basic Dam. Beer. It's a beloved beer. What's your beer? What's your favorite beer? What's your beer? <laughs> What's my beer? <laughs> I'm not a huge beer drinker, but. What's your favorite water? <laughs> Volvic. What's the uh, what's the sparkling of Vichy Catalan? Oh. Vichy Catalan, I really like that. Oh, I, I can't. Never shout, out, shout out Barcelona for Absolutely. That's my Barcelona <laughs> Never. No, Barcelona is for me is Vermouth. Yeah. Vermouth is. Yeah, that's true that you really do like that. Yeah, when I, when I drink, I like that. We should go to the disco place again. The vinyl place. The Curtis, yeah. Curtis? Hmm. Okay, Curtis. What's your favorite? I don't drink beer. Okay, well, Vermouth is not a beer. Drink. Well, okay. Um, wine. Wine. Uh, the white wine. White. I can't do wine. It just hurts my head, man. Like instantly. Does it turn your head right round? <laughs> no, it's just it's just you know I have a glass. I'm like yeah, all right. I'm done now. I'm in pain, you know. And the next morning, it's, you know, at my ripe old age. <laughs> I can't tell. Okay. We have a final surprise for you. Oh my gosh, can you stop? <laughs> we love surprises on... This, this is good, to be fair. Did you read it? I yeah. did not read it. Okay, that's a surprise okay, for us. Okay, who wrote so, this question now? 
our last she, guest. She will know after. She will know first after. She opens. Very good. Okay. This is our last guest that wrote a, a ah, question okay. for the next guest. Ah. Which you will do the same. Okay. Interesting. Both of us don't know what the question is, so we didn't know when to plug this in. Okay. But here it Imagine is. it's something I've already answered. Oh my gosh, this is a monologue. <clears throat> yeah, she wrote quite a few sentences. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Can you read it out loud? Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> don't worry. What did you realize about yourself when making mm, this interview, when having this interview, that you were not that aware about before? Did you learn something about yourself? Can I say the person's name? Yes. Kata. Choose for the question. A. Definitely our whole conversation about, you know, throwing yourself out there and, and speaking speaking for what you're... Stand for? Stand for. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think it's a... It's, I'll definitely sit on it and think about it for sure. Thank you for that. No, really, I, th- I think... No, no, but I think it's... um. You have to have the courage to say what you think, but also, like, cut yourself some slack, maybe... I think I'm like, oh, I need to be a professional before I say anything. Also, like, I'm, I'm scared of, of, like, posting things on, on social media and having people disagree with me. I don't know, like, things like that. There's an hour and a half conversation here <laughs> where you put yourself out there. So you're already there. Yeah, exactly. Little by little. I mean, I think I prefer having, like, conversations with people than, like, throwing, you know, a huge statement on social media. Like, it's as my first example is, like, men's mental health. You know, I, I, I don't post about it on social media, but... There's nothing I love more than speaking about it, A, with guys, but also with girls on, like, the opposite side of the coin, where I prefer doing it, you know, physically and actually, you know, having a conversation about it than, like, just just posting on social media. But it's true that I will definitely, that is definitely something I learned about myself. That was a great question, to be fair, and great conversation about... Expressing I like yourself. You're really relatable. Like no no no, but I mean like you Thank by you. exposing like where you're more sure and mm-hmm. other areas of your life when you're maybe less sure, mm-hmm. it makes it all reflect about our own like visions and mm-hmm. insecurities and Thank you. That's tough, very you know. That's very nice of you to say that. And the last question, can we now? <laughs> yeah. So okay. we usually ask to, to guests, what is the main message that you would like to share with our Sadi community? community? What's okay. the main message I would share? Hmm. Mm. Main message. Main... Th- no, no. You were I've had a, oh illumination. Probably main lesson... I haven't spoken about this during this podcast. So is that okay? That's fine. Okay, it's an additional thing. Oh my gosh, please, please, dear God, force yourself in first year to meet people that are not from the same country as you. Because without failure, every single year, I've heard friends of mine or people I know that have found themselves in a group of people that only come from where they come from, and they always regret it. They always wish that they met more or they hung out more often with international people. And, like, it's a general general thing that a lot of people mention. And also it's this whole circle thing that it's it's hard to get out. But in first year, it's the opportunity to meet a bunch of people. So if you're French, don't stay only with the French because I'm sure, because this, I've heard it so many times, you will regret sticking with the one only group of people that tend to be where you come from. 
so that's my main takeaway, I think. Is that good valid? Advice. Yeah, good is advice. Is that enough? No, because... Like, I mean, hopefully they'll listen to this. No, the really, year. genuinely, I always hear this and I always hear people mm. saying, it's a pity that I didn't meet more international people. And you can do that a thousand percent through associations. Like, that's how I did it. Like, even if I was in the residence and I met a lot of French people... Throughout my associations, I've met people from all over the world, and I, I can't say I stick to one nationality at all, and it has taught me so much. So, yeah. Good message. Whole, yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Full, full circle. Full circle. Full moment. circle. Full circle moment. That's yeah. true. We started with my uh, 26 nationalities, yeah. and now we're ending on, on diversity. diversity. Exactly. Yeah. That's Thank my you. key takeaway. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. I loved it. Have me again. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it to a friend or a relative that you think might enjoy it. Make sure you follow our socials uh, at Transpose Magazine. Make sure you follow Letty. Letty Graffy. Letty Graffy. Letty Graffy, Letty Squire. I hope the photographer is out there. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you on, Letty. So thank you so much for sharing all these insights. Thank you for the questions and the the introspection that will follow. (laughs) (laughs) We hope hope you enjoyed it as well on the other side, listeners. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.